welcome to From Nowhere to Nothing, Ontological Oxymorons. I'm your host, Joel Bouchard, a graduate student in education at Liberty University. And with me is Mr. Norman Gayford, a professor of English and philosophy at Genesee Community College. We've all experienced nostalgia at one point or another, whether it's the 10-year-old at camp wishing she was home, or the 80-year-old reminiscing about how time flies. But what do these two feelings have in common? What differences do they have? Are these two people really feeling the same emotion? Are they feeling an emotion at all? Hopefully this conversation won't make you long for a time when you thought you understood what it meant to be nostalgic. So here's our first um, emotion in uh, what will be a, a probably a short series. I don't know if we'll do you know three or four or something like that, but just trying to get at some of the interesting interesting ones. And you know, really, I think that we're gonna fall back on that color palette sort of analogy where what sort of other emotions that we're more familiar with can we attribute to nostalgia? And then after painting the picture with those emotions, what pieces are still missing that make up the you know the rest of the the rest of the picture? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we'll dive right in. What is nostalgia? Well, you and I have both, we were kidding each other a short while ago about this. So the etymology of it is essentially uh, Latin uh, uh, pain for home, or wanting to be back home, uh, missing home, and so on. And so that goes through the Norse and the other uh so many other language traditions. So, uh, thinking fondly of something, somehow, for us, I think it's become uh, thinking fondly or longingly for a different time. But then, and now we're just rapidly, let me go back and paint this all in, but, but then we have science, or some of the most recent definitions, suggesting that it's a foundational, philosophically, a foundational emotional condition that actually strengthens us to deal with the world. Right. Okay. So, you know, we were joking about it before the show, we were both doing the research for it (laughs) and I just got sick of reading the, the story, the history of it, but we'll mention it for the listeners. Like you said, nostalgia, you know, the etymology of the word is, Mm -hmm. you know, a, a pain for, um, home homesickness essentially Mm -hmm. and it was coined in you know the uh, 18th century by a uh you know a a medical uh, individual who was diagnosing swiss mercenaries who were fighting in the lowland plains in france and in spain and were essentially missing their mountainous um homeland of switzerland Mm -hmm. and you know i think that there's a lot of I think still to this day, there's a you know a people look at mental um, health as imaginary to some extent. You know, it's not it's not a real thing. You know, if you tell if you could just pull yourself out of it, right, you know, you, right. you'd get somewhere. And I think that it was probably even more so back then. Um, I could be wrong about that, but just you just sort of assume that they're probably very similar. Um, but the interesting thing about it is that these Swiss mercenaries um, that were had this condition, you know, they were suffering from the kind of things you'd expect from somebody who was depressed and homesick. You know, they were had fatigue or they had, you know, um, they weren't eating. 
but then some of them had some other things, you know, like, um, oh, uh, fever or death. Some of these guys were dying from being homesick. And that Mm kind of drives home the point that even though it's a mental health thing, even though it's an emotional thing, it has physiological repercussions. Yes. It has physiological repercussions. So, so nostalgia. So it started there. Um, but, and we'll get into later on when we get to the formative questions, we'll talk about whether or not what they were thinking about as nostalgia back then applies now. Um, but for now, let's try to define the overall essence. So, um, what is nostalgia? So we mentioned homesickness is nostalgia more than homesickness. It's a, it's yeah, it's a, it's a yearning. I I think we think of it now as, as any kind of, um, wistfulness, uh, yearning for something in the past that quite probably we fictionally constructed out of our own past that, that would have a, a formative, uh, a tangible, acknowledgeable basis, uh, but that, as with all things, our minds um, uh, fictionalize, our minds embellish. Mm-hmm. And, and so we, we get um, all waxy uh, about how beautiful it used to be back in the 1950s or something. Well, right. Yeah, but if you lived in the 1950s in a number of places, it wasn't so beautiful. So it's a very personal association. Right, and that brings up an interesting thing. So when we're defining nostalgia, I think that it kind of an important thing to touch on real quick is that nostalgia doesn't just have to apply to an individual person. A nostalgia can apply to a populace as a whole. Yeah. And I think that, you know, um, a lot of the scientific literature points to modern marketing and commercialization as appealing to um, a social nostalgia. You see the the coming back of trends, you know, people dressing in 80s clothes or <laughs> making Transformers movies or these sorts of things, yeah. you know, bringing yeah. back things yeah. that... Um, are not so long ago that it's fiction, you know, we're not, we're not, um, you know, watching a movie about medieval times that nobody alive experienced. We're, we're watching movies about things that, um, people remember from a couple decades ago and that it, it reminds them of something when they were younger. But that, yeah, and that involves a larger population, but I'm chuckling, Joel, because, you know, the eighties, that's when I started teaching. And so uh, I, I I might have some nostalgia for certain things in the 80s, but it's not the same, especially when you get into pop culture. Suppose you have a piece of fiction of the Wild Wild West mm-hmm. TV show that I, I just loved that TV show as a little kid. Okay. But then they remade the Wild Wild West with Will Smith. And uh, there were things about that that my son enjoyed. There were things about it that I enjoyed, but I fundamentally... Uh, couldn't wrap my head around it because it was somehow not my Wild Wild West, which itself was just a complete fiction. Well, you, you can pick any number of things pop culturally, Star Trek or or even Star Wars. People debate about it. <laughs> it's been going on so long that, that well, but that's not mine. No, this is mine. Mm-hmm. And, right. and Mission Impossible, all these. And, and, and it could lead to little petty dialogues, and one would hope not, but it can lead to some really fascinating... Uh, personal revelation 
about what we think we own yeah and, and why uh, about a story so i i think nostalgia for me is linked to three things music uh or or uh music the senses uh and narratives mm. uh, uh, they all go back yeah that's an important one and i i, I like the point you're trying to make because while um I think that commercial and marketing agencies are trying to sell nostalgia. Like you said, I think that people are not, they're not buying it for those reasons. And I, I ran, ran across an interesting quote while I was doing this said, um, nostalgia ain't what it used to be. That, you know, that, that highlights the whole point of it is that, um, like you said, your the whole, nostalgia in many cases is you f- remembering something from the past and putting a narrative to it mm. and perhaps a narrative that didn't exist at the time you know it might um we know that science tells us that you know for adaptive purposes we remember the past more fondly and we fear the future mm-hmm. in order to mm-hmm. keep us making decisions that increase our survival if we remember the past fondly and us it encourages us to do things that we've done before and by fearing the future, it keeps us from doing things that might be harmful to us that we haven't tried yet. Yeah. And nostalgia um, kind of reinforces that that sort of line of thinking. To a point that can be debilitating. Right. And, and, and that can take us back to what it was back for those Swiss mercenary soldiers where you... But that we may be getting ahead. Um, so. I don't think so, because we're talking about the essence. So we're okay. trying to define it. And... Um, when I was doing it, I came across an article that said, you know, you really nostalgia can be broken down into two types and that's, um, you know, restorative and reflective. Hmm. And so, and they accomplish different purposes. Reflective nostalgia is, um, you know, let's say I'm digging through my CDs and I find one from high school and I listen to it and I go, oh, wow. You know, this reminds me of, this reminds me of high school. And I go, oh yeah. You know, and I remember all of the, you know, the, the, the problems that I had and the hopes that I had for the future and the people that I knew. And then, you know, I reflect on how those fears for the future panned out versus real life mm-hmm. or how those relationships I had with people continued or disappeared or how the fears that I had did or didn't pan out, you know, and then, you know, you reflect on that and you take from it what you can and then you move on. And that's generally seen as being a positive force in people's lives. Mm-hmm. Restorative nostalgia is probably much more similar to what the Swiss mercenaries were um, considering, which is where, um, you know, you, you listen to that CD and then all of a sudden you start thinking, yeah, things were so much better when I was in high school. Maybe mm-hmm. I'll, maybe I'll call up that friend that I, you know, that stopped talking to me for whatever reason, or maybe, you know, I'll, um, you know, uh, maybe some kind of action, right. You know, or maybe I, yeah, you'll take an action and you can't really say offhand whether that action is going to be a positive or negative thing. Um, but it, it leads to different results than a reflective nostalgia. Mm -hmm. So in talking about nostalgia, you know, trying to define the essence, I think it's important to sort of highlight that there's, there are different types, you know? Yeah. So we have a restorative, we have a reflective, um, We've talked about, yeah, we've talked about the narrative and that sort of things. Um, how about this? So what these all have in common is that nostalgia is about missing something. Is is nostalgia more than just missing things? Yeah, I think it is. I, mean, I can't 
interestingly talked a little bit about this, uh, about the difference between uh, subjective and objective uh, perception. And then philosophers took that and ran with it for a while up into the 20th century. Um, so the, the, the model or the, uh, one example would be um, how we sometimes fill in the blank. We, we glance at something like a house, our house. Uh, we don't necessarily see it all in one uh, look. But even as we see the house and the walls and the stonework and whatever, uh, we might be looking at a window or some other element of the house and we get all memory laden with putting that window in or someone who used to look out that window or that kind of thing. And we realize we've we've spilled into the subjective. We're not now seeing the house the way others around us would see the house. We're seeing the house through the lens of memories we've associated with parts of it. And therefore, it's our house, not anybody else's. But there's a house that's objective. There's a house that's subjective. Mm-hmm. And so that's not that's not homesickness necessarily. Right. That's, but that's more of the wistful part. That's more of the, uh, this is part of my identity. Yeah. Yeah, no, and uh, I definitely run into that. I think that's something that you see um, guitars are going to bring it back to guitars, mm-hmm. but it, the same go for cars or houses or anything else. You, If you build something with your own hands like that, I've built guitars and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, maybe if you add up the pieces of the guitar, I think that it's about $1,200 worth of materials. But, you know, I look at this, oh, well, you know, the body's one piece, the neck is one piece. You know, I made sure that I used this type of electronics. I made sure that this was just so I made sure that everything was just right. And it's, it's perfect. You know, so if somebody offered me $1,200 for it, would I sell it? No, you know, because (laughs) the value is more than that to me, you know, not just from, not just from the objective, how the guitar sounds or looks or plays or any of that. But also, like you said, there's the narrative to it. The guitar is part of my identity now. Um, you know, it's part of my past. It's, you know, something more than, um, just a monetary or a, you know, it's more than a market item. You know? mm-hmm. So I think that's good. Cause that establishes, you know, it is more than just missing something. Yeah. yeah, yeah it and, is. um, do you think that the past is a necessary component of nostalgia? Yes. Whether it's the real past or whether it's a constructed one. So again, it's the narrative, the it's, narrative past, uh, whether or not you've experienced it even. Yeah. I mean, uh, Camus uh, talked about, this. So he would come up with you know, one of the existentialist philosophers saying there is no way to rationally approach this life. There's no reasoning with life itself. But we, being human, can't help but try. Uh, you know, and, and he went to some pretty dark places with all of that. But but the, one of the most interesting things for me with him is his focus on the myth of Sisyphus. You know, and and this has to do with nostalgia. We'll make it fast as I can. But so Sisyphus, the story of the the, the person who's being punished in the underworld for his various uh, sins, and he has to push a rock up a hill, a boulder, and then it, depending on the iteration, how cartoonish you get it, it rolls over him or it goes back to the bottom of the hill. Would most people go to the bottom of the hill and go back behind that boulder and push it up? And, and Camus says that well, the human nature seems to be that that's what we do, which is even more absurd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and and so we go. But 
that's connected to something we were talking about pre-show too, which is the the scientific study of this uh, four or five years ago. Uh, Southampton University, there's a cluster of people who are focusing on this, were saying that quite the opposite of being debilitating, um, that rock pushing up the hill, that memory of having done something, that that whiff of, of food that gives you a moment of respite in whatever you're feeling about the world right now, allows you to keep functioning. And so, so it, it's the functionality, uh, oddly. Uh, the, the, there's, a, there's a use, a practicality in nostalgia uh, when it's under control. Uh, scientifically, there, there's the, the study that the Southampton produced is uh, indicating that most people have a nostalgic uh, event, as in get a little nostalgic at least once a week. Mm-hmm. Many people four or five times a week, and quite a large number of people more than once a day. And so that's, it. in part, they are linking this with uh, not just surviving, but with propelling oneself through life. Oh, um, I, I'm out in the middle of an ice storm, but I have a memory of a really cold moment when I was sledding with my brother or something like that. And, and so in having that memory, it, it doesn't physically make it any colder in the moment that I'm in, but somehow the warmth of the emotion gives us enough to maybe keep going for a little bit longer. Right, yeah, and that was one of the interesting um, outcomes of that research was that they found that having feelings of nostalgia creates physical Responses. feelings of yeah. warmth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, the other very interesting part about that was um, the group, the age group who's most, um, who most feels nostalgia is people in their late teens and early 20s, <laughs> followed by people over the age of 50. Mm. And for different reasons. They said that the younger group, um, they think it's due to that's when you have the largest amount of life transitions and, and things happening and whatnot. So, like you said, you're drawing on that strength from the past. You're looking at a time when things were more settled and stable and and you're you're drawing comfort from the fact that maybe things will be like that in the future, um, even though right now they're sort of tumultuous. And, um, you know, people who are older are more reflecting on, they're trying to make meaning of the life that they've lived so yeah. far. Has, yeah. has the things that I've done been impactful or meaningful or... Um, that sort of thing. So there's yeah. there's sort of different motivations. Um, are they the same emotion? Yeah, probably. You know, they're, it's the reflecting. And they said the people as young as eight can feel nostalgia, can feel you know that right. And you know, and you're it, so it's something that you know anybody can anybody can feel it. You know, you don't have to be um, you know you don't have to have had a whole lot of life to reflect on to look at a time from the past and, and think about, you know. But as you said, when you're doing those, those, those two different kinds, if you get, um, let's use the metaphor of Sargasso Sea, just because if you sail into a nostalgia that is so gloppy and overwhelming, Sargasso is bad because you don't want to be stuck in it. But, <laughs> but, but if you get uh, lodged in it all was just better back then. That can lead to really, yeah, bad consequences politically, socially, psychologically, the whole gamut. Right, right. So I think we've done a pretty good job 
Um, before we move on, last question about the essence of, of nostalgias. What other emotions make it up? I think that probably the, the two major ones would be sort of not diametrically opposed, but on opposite ends of the emotional wheel. You have sadness and happiness. Yeah. It's almost painting kind of a, a nice sunset. <laughs> you know, you have, you have the dark contrasted with the light on the horizon there. Right. And um, what else What else is there to it? Do you think there's... Um, Let's try some things and see how we can associate them with the two diametrically opposed Okay, that I've, had, so. I've got three written down here, and I don't even know if they're emotions. Okay. You know, I'm not sure where to draw the line, but... We can debate that. Um, <laughs> longing. I was just... There's the L word. I was thinking of the same thing. Uh, longing is a condition and an emotion is an experience of a condition. Okay. Maybe. So longing is not an emotion by itself. I don't know. I'm, I'm not being absolutely certain. You, you, you see, I think that my guess would be, I would say there would yes. have to be, there'd have to be a guiding emotion behind the longing. Longing by itself doesn't tell you the mind frame of the individual who's longing. You could be longing for, you know, a lost love. You could be longing for that old right. And I, so that I think <laughs> love would be the emotion behind it. Yeah. Or you know, um, desire, envy. desire, yeah. envy. Yeah. 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 So I think that probably longing is not an emotion, but maybe some of those other ones do. So, so it's a condition created by those emotions. So envy. Do you think maybe envy or desire? Oh, envy? I think envy. And and desire our emotions. I, I think those are but, because they understand. So do you think that's part of nostalgia though, necessarily? Envy? Yeah. Envy sounds and envy has a very negative connotation to it. But if you think about nostalgia in terms of um mm. you know, a longing for the past, sort of. Yes. It probably in probably in the case of restorative nostalgia, envy is the guiding emotion. Whereas in reflective, maybe it's something different. Yeah, I would, I, I, I think so. Let's do a what if. What, what if, you know, based on things you and I've experienced and have known in people, um, sometimes, not entirely constructed. Um, someone has lost many uh, people in his or her life. And they see a younger family and that, sends them zipping back to when their family was more intact. Mm. So far, we're okay. But if it sends us zipping back to that and then looking at the young family and saying, why do they get to have this? Then we've lost the balance of because you have had your time and yours is in a different condition and state than, than theirs is. So somebody could negatively respond to life because of right. nostalgia. Yeah, and I think that anytime somebody experiences nostalgia, you're you're trying to you're you're almost fighting your own battle between the restorative and the reflective. You know? I, mm -hmm. I actually had a moment this week like that. Um when my grandma died, my mom took a picture. And it's probably the most powerful picture that I've I've ever seen to me personally, because it has the context. But mm -hmm. my um my grandmother is essentially on her on her deathbed and my brother brought in his son to see her one last time hmm. and it's the picture is of um my my nephew just kind of standing on his tiptoes looking over the hospital bed hmm. at his great grandma for the last time hmm. Hmm. 
you know, and that brought back all kinds of memories, you know, about my grandmother, about her making milkshakes or <laughs> going to her house for Christmas, all, you know, all kinds of things. Good things. And yeah. yeah and, you know, you're just struggling because you have that, you know, there's that, the reflective part of it where you want to, um, you know, enjoy the moments that you had mm-hmm. and, you know, mm-hmm. think about, you know, all the good times are in the past. And then there's that, you know, that, that part of it where you, you wish you had your grandma back, you know? Yeah. And, you know, it's, and that's where life is always teaching us those lessons, you know? Well, what are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with that feeling? You know, do you, and, um, do you carry it forward and, and teach her if, if you have children, teach your own children or, or nieces and nephew tell them stories so that, for the next generation or two, maybe that grandma uh, figure, that character, that human being uh, lingers in the family. Right. That's, that's usually mostly what we get at best. Mm-hmm. Of you, you, most of us don't remember past a great grandparent. Right. You know, if you really think directly about it, and then when we and, and 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 the thing you said was really interesting because I I think this is a universal experience. Um, you know, in my my mom's last uh, couple of years, or and certainly her her last weeks, but a couple of years in in dementia, uh, compounded with COPD. If if uh, I would not want her back in that state. So the nostalgia is, well, what I want back is right. <laughs> the making of the milkshakes and the coming yeah. home and finding the kitchen window steamed up from the wonderful pot of spaghetti and, and all those things. So we really don't want the thing that we say that we want. What we want is the thing that we've, we, we latch onto. It's an anchor it, it, or perhaps more nautically a, a buoy. Mm-hmm. That memory is a buoy. We find the buoy. We know that there's something. Uh, this is way off track, seemingly, but really not. I remember taking a, a trip to New England. Love to go there, and uh, took a little jaunt out uh, on a on a tour um, along the coast of of Maine, and there was. Uh, there was this remarkable clashing set of waves fairly close to a set of uh, islands and a, and a buoy that was marking it. And there's a sunken naval vessel under there. It was a, just a domestic wreck. But all the turbulence of the water around that buoy, and you knew there was something down there, and it was big, <laughs> right? And, and then you sail out, and then the waters got all smooth again. And I think that that's what nostalgia can be. There's this, there's this turbulence that's that wants to pull us in and we can recognize the power of it and we can say hey yeah I, this was cool but i'm sailing on <laughs> right right yeah. so all right so i think we've done a good job with the essence and i think that by extension we've answered some of the questions that we might have down the road with the formative and the speculative but mm-hmm. we'll move on to them so let's let's say why do we feel nostalgic then so taking it to more less abstract and more concrete okay. you know is there a purpose to it i know, I know we, we you, you talked yesterday about how you know we don't feel that there has to be a purpose for everything <laughs> but it does help in, in trying does. to define well you know what, what what is it so all right is there a purpose to nostalgia 
I think we've touched on a couple of those things, but we can extend them. Uh, the purpose is, is uh, self shoring up oneself. Uh, when one is getting frayed or, or feeling battered or whatever condition one might be in. If, in fact, uh, going back to a previous memory, I, I, you know, I can only speak as one individual who experiences his own nostalgia. When things are really intense, I find myself almost, almost yogically going back to the memory of my son's birth and the memory of my daughter's birth. And oh, I can't, of course, label all the. Uh, I I think now I know all the things I was experiencing, but I can't say that. But it's enough to realize the absolute awe, the intensity of that moment. Um, and and these two personalities who came into the world, uh, my world, but the world, and and that just gives me I just a. Uh, 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 an endorphic <laughs> pow, uh, a, a burst of positive energy that, you know, lets me go back to this is very mundane to the committee meeting or, okay, now let's go back to working on student papers. Let's say, let's right. think of these students as they were just somebody else's baby at one point. And, mm -hmm. and now they're here, they're at this point in life. And it freshens up how you're thinking about what people are saying. Right. So, so, and I, the research backs you up on this, that nostalgia seems to have a, a social function. Hmm. When do you think that that emerged in human history? Why, like, just what, why do you think that that's, because that's the other thing that the research says is that almost all, nostalgia gives you a lot of gains in a lot of different areas, but they're all very small. There's no, hmm. you know, it, it'll give you a little bit, but it doesn't give you a whole lot. No. And, you know, do you, you know, one, one of the intros to the pod, <laughs> you know, one of the, the hooks to the podcast I used the last time was that, you know, nostalgia seems to be one of those things that makes us uniquely human. So yeah. animals don't seem to, we wouldn't even know, but well, they we don't seem know. to appear. We, we wouldn't know. So why, when did it develop? Why did it develop? What's, is it necessary? Is it necessary <laughs> to feel nostalgic to be human you know why do we, i think it's why unavoidable have... i think it's unavoidable i don't think it's necessary i think it's unavoidable from from for me in a lifetime of reading widely and listening to all kinds of fascinating people and, and learning from them I, I resist this because i always say to students don't you ever start a, a, an essay with throughout time or, <laughs> or throughout history or you know, like, no stop stop this is but but I, I, some part of me, perhaps without total rationality, although I think there's a little basis of that has to believe, that the moment we became aware, now there's no lightning bolt moment when humanity became aware, but along the, the evolutionary course, when we became aware that there might be more to this frightening life than, than eating, sleeping, reproducing, and, and I say that because of those still mysterious and still compelling cave paintings. We find more of them now and have dated back earlier. The, the one of this year I was reading in Scientific American, I think it was, it was, it was, it was stunning. It was very recent this year. It, it, something on the order of 40,000 years. 
which is twice what the, mm-hmm. the but somebody painted. Now, first, there's art. I, I don't think we have art without some kind of uh, nostalgia. We can follow that later if we want to, but but art suggests, cave painting suggests that there was a moment we want to go back and remember. Now, maybe we have language and we're telling it, but we still want that. My, I was having this conversation with, with my dad, retired mechanic, I love him to pieces, and he, he just, uh, he's, he's now um, in his 80s, he's, he's, he's reaching out to people, he's making cookies for people in his community, he's, he's a presence in his community. Uh, not overwhelmingly, but he's there and active and, and engaged. But he's also going through all of his photographs. And, and he has always loved his photographs, but he, categorizing. But there's one he's searching for. And maybe today will be the day he finds it. But he, he, in his youth, uh, tells my brother and me this story. But he, he had, I think it was a Hudson car. He took it and he hacksawed the back off so that he could create essentially a truck, a carrier for himself on, on the farm. I'm picturing this man as a young man hacksawing a vehicle, you know, in the country. I mean, he's out way out in the world. And he swears that he has a picture of this. And he knows it. And he is searching for it like unto the Holy Grail right now. <laughs> I believe the picture exists or did. But it doesn't matter that it doesn't exist now in the sense that it's in his head, but he wants to show us. And I think there's a nostalgia in that, an identity. I think it's back to that. The, the usefulness of it is in establishing our bona fides about who we were. <laughs> right. So if we're looking at it formatively, we might... It, it really... I think the reason nostalgia is sort of an enigma wrapped in a riddle is because the things that it most correlates to are other things that we don't have the answers to. There has to be consciousness. There has to be memory. There has to be identity. There has to be all, all of these other things that we also don't have the answers to. And I think that you're probably right. It's probably those things that make nostalgia. I, I like what you said about it, which was that, it's probably not necessary, but unavoidable. You know, mm. when humans mm. became conscious, when we, I think when we developed the memory, the ability to reflect, then there was no way around it at that point. If you have the ability to reflect, then it's, hard to, to it's reflect. hard to imagine somebody doing so unemotionally, especially when memory is not a verbatim um, record of your past. It's, mm. it's an emotional impression. Yeah. So, with memory being an emotional impression, you can't reflect on it objectively. No, you, you cannot. You, you're much. absolutely right. You can't, and it's and it's not in our control. I don't. I don't think any of us would argue that we could or would say, "Well, I, I'm sitting at my desk doing such and such a task, or I'm in my shop doing this, or, or whatever work that we do." For instance, none of us could say, "Oh, our minds don't stray away, and we're always on task." There's never any images from past, present, or future. Some sound doesn't, you know, you're listening to the background music that offices or, or places have. Or, something is going to take you somewhere mm-hmm. that you didn't intend for a moment, which can be longer than a moment in your mind. It might be a moment in physical synchronous time. We're not in control of that. 
right. entirely. But this is, I think, where the dark side of nostalgia can arise. But this is when we get into things like the mental uh, health conditions, uh, uh, perhaps the physical ramifications of, of aging for some, because not everybody experiences dementia, thankfully, uh, where there's a longing, a need. All, the pe people are back in their childhoods, or they're back with, a, their family is 30 years ago where in their minds, and so they don't recognize people who are coming to them. And, and it's a lot more complicated than that, but I think a lot of us have experienced this. That's a, an entrapment, perhaps, in nostalgia. Although I think more and more that I, if, if, while it's painful for that person, if we could let them be there, we could somehow find a way to make that more real mm -hmm. rather than try to assert this. No, that's wrong. We're not, what's so great about this reality that we have to do that to somebody at a certain stage? Maybe it's time for nostalgia to, to be on the, uh, in the ascendant and let them be there. Wouldn't that be... Yeah, that's super powerful for a couple of reasons. One of them, um, you know, speaking to the more abstract one first, I think that, you know, I, some, sometimes I get accused of being a space cadet and I, you know, I, I'll never, I would, I fully embrace it because I don't think it's a negative thing at no. all. Um, because I think that what makes us creative and critical and metacognitively active and and what makes us better humans is that ability to reflect on the past is that ability to imagine futures that haven't been around yet mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and like you said you don't want to get stuck in 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 the mire and not be able to function in the present but if you can use the past and the future to inform your present actions and your present thinking then it's it's a great tool mm -hmm. so you know i think that um, that's a good point. The other part of it that's um, more practical um, was what you were just saying about people with dementia. And it makes me ask the question, do you think that those people are suffering from the same condition those Swiss mercenaries were? Hmm. Uh, well, I, it's interesting you asked that because I was wondering that when you brought them up. And I know we're back at the beginning. Where my, I think it may be. I, I don't know what they had uh Dementia, but they—I think they certainly had depression mm. of an acute kind, um, and that may have been associated with PTSD and all the kinds of things that we're aware of now. Um, but I, yeah, I—I I, I think that there's there's a there's a uh, for instance a PTSD if one doesn't want to call it that because it's so used, but um, for families experiencing someone with dementia. Uh, a, a spouse, particularly, um, and because it's launching all this other nostalgia. I wish mom or dad could have been could be like they used to be, and then there's all that used to be, which is built on memories, which are not always absolutely accurate. So, yeah, I think there's probably an association. All right, let's move into the speculative because I think this is. And we've been there quite a bit already, <laughs> because it's, I think it's the most interesting part of the because conversation. Because we're creative people. Though. Right. <laughs> so let's get, let's get to um, one of the big issues, which is, is nostalgia an emotion? Hmm. And I think that the consequences of that answer are very interesting. So I'll, I'll start with you. Yeah, please. Um, there's many 
sources that consider nostalgia an emotion. And then there's some that consider it a sentiment. And so when I first started doing the research, I thought, no, it's an emotion. You know, you're, you're feeling something, right? Well, then when I started to dig, the consequences of it are, are different. Like we talked about earlier, trying to decide longing wasn't an emotion. Longing is guided by an emotion, right? Well, I think that some researchers are making the argument that nostalgia is guided by emotion. Hmm. So I think that the consequences are if you decide nostalgia is an emotion on its own, it sort of locks you into what things can be considered nostalgia. Yes, yes. Whereas if you consider it a sentiment, um, some of the some of the research that I had seen, some of the people were talking about it, were saying that there's such things as negative nostalgia. So hmm. rather than a wistful or happy imagining of the past, it can be something that um, perhaps was negative, but provided you with some sort of guidance. And yeah. I have a very strong example in my life. This is something I'll never forget as long as I live. I was six years old and I had a best friend who lived across the street and we were swinging on our swing set. And as, and my mom was gardening nearby and as we're swinging, a little white butterfly landed below my swing. And my mom pointed out, Hey, look at that butterfly. And my friend said, stop it. <laughs> and so me wanting to be cool. I stomped the butterfly. Mm -hmm. And I remember my mom, how disappointed she was. Yeah. And at the age of six, thinking to myself, this isn't the kind of person I want to be. Yeah. I don't want to be the kind of person who just goes along with what other people say, yeah. you know? And really that, that memory informs decisions that I make on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. If I run up against a difficult circumstance and I have to choose whether to go along with something or do something that I think is right, that always pops up and I end up doing the right thing. So you don't just stomp it. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, and I don't even like telling that story because of how bad it makes me feel to this day, mm -hmm. 25 years later, you know? So is, you know, yeah. It, do we consider that nostalgia or is that something else? No, would, I, would that be, would that be um, maybe regret or remorse or are those emotions? Where, you those know, are I, emotions that are associated. I think with, we're talking about, I know that the previous podcast, I think there were, uh, we mentioned one study says there were, uh, there are 24 emotions and nostalgia is one of them. Um, but it was also talking about linkages, clusterings. And I, and I, think that nostalgia is one of those things what you were just describing that has linkages and clusterings underneath it. Because I think remorse is necessary for us as human beings. I can, I can give you one that's not nearly as poetically profound as yours, but it's, but it's also one that still haunts me. And, and that is when I was, I believe in seventh grade, my grandmother, my, my maternal grandmother, her, her, husband my grandfather died of cancer my mother had been dad had been taking care of them and then and then she went blind and we had but she was not entirely blind yet she was uh temporarily in between she was in a trailer on our yard and and mom and dad would be at work and i would i would go over there uh to her trailer a few steps away from the house and she was my caretaker for part of the uh evening sometimes and she told me uh, at one particular time i remember i was listening to a johnny cash record 
ring of fire. And, and she said, uh, you need to go over and practice your piano, go over to the house and practice your piano. And I said, who are you to tell me to practice on my piano, you old bat? That was not the way I generally taught. And I, uh, I, I tear up. I just, now I'm 61 and I'm thinking, how dare I have said this to this woman who clearly loved me and who had, had endured so much. And, and I, but I slammed the door on the trailer and I went to the house and I, and, and I, I, I apologized to her later, but that hasn't gone away. You're, you're stomping right. of it. And, with, and, and the usefulness in that, there's the pragmatism, I suppose, is, is to remember uh, when you're uh, on your high horse, uh, uh, you've, you've said ugly things to people. Right. You, you've, you've, you, the unintended consequences of a moment of lack of self-control. Yeah, it's a, it's a very important part about being human. Mm. And that's one of my biggest pet peeves is when you ask somebody and they say, I have no regrets. If you don't have regrets, then you probably didn't learn any lessons. And or everybody learns lived. lessons. That's We're right. learning machines. That's what we do. But <laughs> it's something that's very neglected. Um, and especially in pop culture, you and I have talked about it, and this will date us in, in, in time. But the last, the last Jedi, it's the middle Star Wars movie. And, yes. and people very much dislike it because the entire Star Wars universe is this very idealized um, archetypical sort of thing where you have black and white, you know, right. things are very set. And the last Jedi, you see Luke Skywalker, the main protagonist, um, have a moment of weakness yeah. and, you know, attempt to kill his nephew in his sleep, essentially, because he finds out he's evil. And this rubbed people the wrong way. You know, no, Luke is, he's good. He's not this, but that ignores the humanity of it. it nobody is does. good. And nobody, nobody is bad. There's, no. You have moments. You have things. Part of being human and part of living in a social society is taking actions to try to find where boundaries are, whether those boundaries are moral boundaries or, um, you know, all of these things. And, and that's what was happening with me stopping the butterfly, with you talking to your grandma. We were young people who are trying to determine for ourselves what was right and what was wrong. Mm -hmm. And if we hadn't taken those actions, then we would have taken similar actions down the road that still would have informed our senses of morality and our senses of how we should treat people. It just yeah. would have come in a different way. Yeah. And, um, and does, and still, and still does because as flawed human beings, we still, right. we still step in the muck sometimes when we, yeah. and, and, and we say, what was that? And, mm -hmm. and you know, right. No, I, 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 absolutely. And that was a, that's a really good example. The pop cultural is what we, yeah, the pop culture used to be three channels on the television or for some people, six channels on the television. Everybody saw the same things basically more or less. And everybody had the same background on uh, music. Not entirely. It's not that simplistic, but um, there were certainly uh, cultural elements and, and things that complex make it more complex. But now there are uh, touchstone pop culture moments when people don't even participate, but they still have heard of the thing. That makes it possible, uh, however, whatever uh, superficial or deep metaphor it can be, it makes it possible to discuss because it is a point of connection. And yeah, our, our heroes make mistakes, bad ones. <laughs> and, and that's what makes them more human. 
Odysseus. Right. Odysseus comes up in nostalgia a lot. Mm-hmm. You found yeah, that yeah, yeah. right. The, the, mo- the most ancient tale, the epic tale of, of, of in, in Greek and uh, in, into Western culture. It's not just that he's homesick. Oh, I want to sail back. No, first he insults the gods after 10 years of, of fighting at, at Troy and by, by saying, well, I don't need anybody. I can just get back home. It's, it's better than that, of course. Right. <laughs> and, and so he is punished to wander, to suffer loss, to lose his ships and his men. So that eventually Odysseus floats onto his home shore in Ithaca by himself. He's sort of Captain Kirk that way. He just loses every all the red shirts are gone. And, <laughs> and but it's not because because he wants to be there, but at the same time he doesn't. Tennyson has a wonderful poem about this. He's but essentially he's home. He's sets uh, he's he kills the suitors who've been after his wife Penelope. He's reunited with son his son and even his old dog. <laughs> Who has lived to incredible age? Yeah, uh, but but then he needs to go back out again. It's like Campbell's mm-hmm. hero tale. He so he can't be satisfied even when he has everything that he thought that he wanted. And and so the the, the nostalgia aspect in that is that it's not about oh a perfect utopian if we could just be there. There's some element of the 1950s that some people might want back again. But but not everything about the 1950s, if anybody's being rational and truly historical about it. There's, you know, there's some element of, of saying we were all better back then. No, we won't. If you look at our history, we, we really weren't. But is there some aspect of some of us that we thought we were doing something well? So it's instructive that way. There's a usefulness again. Darn it, you've wrangled me into the, <laughs> <laughs> the use. <laughs> I, and, well, and I think that we're getting there. I think that we are starting to sort of suss out what the purpose of it is. Mm. And I think that, I mean, it, this is all predicated on the notion that nostalgia is a sentiment that guides an emotion. But if we assume that it's a sentiment that guides in, that's guided by an emotion or many emotions yeah then it it really te- you know it's it's teaching us how to live it's teaching us how to live within a society within a group you know when when we stab the cyclops's eye out maybe when we're sailing away we don't yell out what our name actually is you know <laughs> maybe in the future i'll just keep telling him i'm no one so that you know i don't get in trouble that's yeah. sort of thing, you know so it can be you know negative nostalgia or it can be you know thinking about your wife and your son and your dog so that you continue to try to to get back home or you know it's 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 nostalgia is almost it's almost like your conscience in a sort of way you know you you reflect on how your life has been so far and it you kind of let it guide you to where you want your life to be mm-hmm. and like you said like we talked about if it's restorative or reflect sometimes you know you make flawed decisions on where you want to be sometimes you try to reach too far into the past or you try to recreate something that is gone a a psychologist had a very poetic moment which is unusual (laughs) um but but i uh i enjoyed it so so i'll (laughs) i'll read it real quick but it says speaking of nostalgia it's a strange thing a vivid memory from the distant past haunted by people who have grown up or grown old or are no more doing Mm. things that are no longer done in a world that no longer exists Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And really, you know, I mean, that's why you can't live in the past. You can't, you can't try to recreate something that happened before, because even if you had all the same people in all the same places, time moves on and experiences that have happened can't unhappen, you know? And so I think that's an important element um, that was present in that Greek literature that's a little bit lacking in American um, media is, you know, we have a great fear of failure now because one failure is looked at as the sum of all of your actions instead of a, a guiding lesson in how to react in the future you know mm-hmm. and i suffer from this you know I, like I, I was talking about last semester i had a group project so i have a 4.0 gpa and uh i'm all nervous about getting something less than that you know because i i have that that the, well would that really that doesn't tarnish my entire academic career absolutely you know? not um no but but that's i think that that's there's an element of that in american society nowadays where it's it's a or nothing yeah and we're using and i think that how we use nostalgia sort of influences that to an extent there's that and i think that's why people are so quick to say they have no regrets I have no regrets because if you admit you have a regret, a regret, it, you're admitting that you had a failure in the past. You're admitting that you did something wrong, and for whatever reason, we look at that as being the be all, end all. When in reality, it's very important that you fail in order to establish those boundaries, like we were talking about. Mm-hmm. If I didn't stomp that butterfly, if you didn't talk back to your grandma, we would have done those things in the future to somebody else yeah. at a different time and in a different way. Yeah. The consequences yeah. would have been just as disappointing. But we would have learned the lesson, you know, that's the important part is that the lesson was learned and that we didn't go on talking to everybody we met like that. We didn't go along killing every other animal that we saw. Mm -hmm. We became better people because of it, you know, and like you said, we continue to make mistakes, but the hope is that we're refining our behavior. We're not making those course adjustments anymore. It's a process. Yes. So we're presented with a situation (laughs) and if we're angry rather than, you know, we think of that. Well, I remember that thing that I said the one time when I was really angry, or I remember that one time what I did when I went along with the crowd and you try to make different choices based off of it. See, this is, you have just said in a much more poetic way, I was going to mention that we we both read, I think, Rutledge, Mm -hmm. Um, right? I like your quotation better, but this will, this dovetails with it. Uh, nostalgia, it's a quotation of Rutledge, serves a crucial existential function. It brings to mind cherished experiences that assure us we are valued people who have meaningful lives. Some of our research shows that people who regularly engage in nostalgia, so engage in it, <coughs> it suggests a, a sentiment or condition, are better at coping with concerns about death. Okay. I like yours better because it was more poetic, but but trying to tie all that together with what you said about our butterfly experience and the grandma experience, it's meaningful. We be, we we become and we know that we're meaningful in someone's life because that disappointment from your mom, or that forgiveness from my grandmother. Forgiveness is sometimes more more uh, difficult to handle than. Mm-hmm. You know, because you think more about the human interaction then. So it is instructive. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's what was fun. So that's, yeah. So it's just fun. Yeah, it's you know I. I think that I'm I'm really glad that we had the conversation because after emotions, I I really felt like we we spun our wheels with emotions a little bit. I was like, man, I can't get a grasp on it. And I was <laughs> I was worried that nostalgia would turn out the same way. But I, I think that we we did a good job getting where we getting where we needed to be and saying what what we needed to say. Um, but yeah, I think that ultimately, you know, that's what it's that is what it's about. It's about learning life lessons, learning how you fit in with society what you mean to people what people mean to you and uh you know i think that ultimately it's it's definitely one of the the bigger guiding um sentiments that make us human make us who we are that make us remind us how it feels to be us you know Mm -hmm. so it's good so we'll pick it up next time thanks for listening